He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Doug, would you pass the champagne, please? Happy New Year. Turn up, uh, turn up. Is, has the ball dropped yet? <laughs> yeah. My puppy dog? Yeah. You know, we were at, I was at a New Year's Eve party with um, Doug last night at Mar-a-Lago. It was great and, you know, really good. And Trump spoke and he said, we're going to have a great 2000, we're going to have a good 2023 and... A great 2024. Yeah. That was cool. The, everybody there was dressed to the nines, particularly the women. And they had these dresses which were all glittery, you know, like, and, and they looked like headlight reflectors on the highway. They all looked like you're back at Studio 54 in the day. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Disco ball. Okay, what I want to talk to you about today is that um, on. Uh, Monday, I'm meeting with President Trump tomorrow, and I wanted to go through with you what I'm going to tell him, uh, because uh, I, I want you to get it from me, and I want you to understand the race in light of this. Uh, my bottom line conclusion is that I believe that Trump is clearly going to win, and I certainly in terms of the primary, I see a perfect lane for him to win. And my feeling is that if he wins the primary with good momentum and good issues and the economy is terrible, uh, he can't lose. But my planning right now is to get him to the nomination by, uh, by fencing out DeSantis and by creating issues that he can run on. And there are three broad issues. Uh, the first is to be anti-Biden. The second is to be pro-free speech. And third is to be anti-McConnell. Now, anti-Biden, of course, includes the economy and everything else that Biden's screwing up about. It's critical that, Biden, that, that Trump do this now because he has to become the top opponent, stay the top opponent of Biden. You know, there are certain couplets throughout history that you mention one name and you have to think of the others. Uh, so you can't mention Muhammad Ali without thinking of Frazier. You can't mention Wellington without thinking of Napoleon. And we've got to make it so you can't mention Biden without thinking of Trump. And that has to be a couplet that, is, that the public sees in its mind as an absolute given, so that when Biden moves down, Trump moves up, and vice versa. And that's a very important credential, a very important pinnacle, that Trump is sitting at, where he is the alternative to the least popular president in modern history. And ultimately, his ability to win the election is grounded in that fundamental fact. And the problem is that he's been letting up on Biden. He hasn't been hitting Biden much. In his last 12 tweets, for example, on Trump Social, uh, he's mentioned Biden in only one. Uh, he focuses on McConnell on the problems the country faces, illegal immigration, the border, and does a good job on those issues, but does not bring it back to Biden. And Biden has this ability to disappear. He has this ability to sort of not be there. 
uh, either hiding in his, in his basement or in Wilmington or just sinking below the radar screen. And when he does that, Trump's running against himself. And that's a race you always lose. You can never run against yourself if you're well-known. And uh, he needs to have Biden to oppose. Uh, I, I've often said that Biden is like the the frame around the portrait of Donald Trump that makes it attractive. There's lots of stuff that people don't like about Trump, but when they look at what Biden's done, it pales by comparison. You know, which do I prefer, mean tweets or 10% inflation? Uh, which do I prefer, uh, a, a snarky attitude toward some people in politics or Russia invading anybody it feels like? So my feeling here is that we have got to keep Trump versus Biden central in the public's mind uh, so that it never becomes DeSantis versus Biden. We've got to hit Biden every single day just like he did to Hillary in 2016. Uh, he can't just let it go. He can't let it skate. And he can't just assume that whenever we're hitting negatives on the state of the country and the economy that we're, that we're hitting Biden. There is too much focus going on in Trump's rhetoric now on McConnell, McCarthy, the 2020 election outcome, and the issues themselves, but not enough on Joe Biden. So Biden kind of, if, if you think about it objectively, think about the news over the last month. I think probably the most, the, the, the stories that mattered, that were most broadcast were Kevin McCarthy fighting for the speakership, uh, McConnell playing games with the deal with the Democrats to increase spending, uh, Trump's charges about the 2020 election and the January 6th committee referral. You go through all the list of topics people are covering and the word Biden never appears, and Trump has got to change that. We know from two years of polling that as Biden's vote rises, Trump's drops. One of the big reasons that we did not win as many seats in 22 as we hoped we would is because Biden had a bump up in his ratings in August and September of 22 as the election loomed. He, not a big bump, but a bump. His disapproval peaked at 60% in July and fell to 52% by November 8th. And that eight-point drop in disapproval, largely due to the phony Inflation Reduction Act and the, the hoopla the media surrounded it with. You haven't heard about that in the last two months, have you? And there's no inflation reduction, but... The point is that it gave Biden this temporary one-shot boost in ratings, exactly as the 22 election approached. And without that, it would have been the red wave and the massacre that we were all hoping and predicting. So we've got to make sure that Biden does not escape, that he doesn't lie low. That when we talk about the border, we're talking about Biden. We talk about inflation. We're talking about a gift that Biden gave us. When layoffs start, start piling on, we make clear that that's the inevitable consequence of Biden's economic policies. A gift that Biden gave us. Yeah. Like a dog when you're out at a house and then you come home and there's a gift. Yeah. gift the on the floor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that the same stuff. And, uh, and when we cover Ukraine, we, we cover the Russian attack, but we have to talk about how Biden it would not have happened if Trump was still president.
let me just tell you a, an anecdote that I'm going to use to Trump when I speak with him tomorrow. In 1992, the Republicans had their convention, and they nominated uh, and they nominated Bush for re-election. And I was working with Bill Clinton, and the entire Republican convention of 1992 was dedicated to savaging Clinton, but the wrong Clinton. They savaged Hillary instead of Bill. She had made the comment, "I didn't stay home and bake cookies and serve tea." Uh, she had said, I can't see how anyone can possibly be a Christian and a Republican at the same time. And she had a whole host of quotes that were just horrible. And the public was only just beginning to get to know Hillary and get to hate her. And the Republicans piled on like crazy on her. They had a fabulous target. Every single speaker ripped Hillary apart. But nobody mentioned Bill. So Bill called me uh, after the convention, and he said, what did you think? And I said, it was a great convention for you. And he said, well, Hillary got ripped apart. And I said, yes, she did, but you escaped blame. She's your lightning rod. You put her up there, and she's so outrageous and so contemptible to the average person that nobody has time or space to attack you. And he said, and Hillary then came on the phone, and I repeated that. And she wasn't too happy with that, but it was very clear that this strategy was working beautifully. Uh, and when the polls came out after the convention, the average party gains 10 points during its convention in a presidential election year. It doesn't always hang on to them, but it gains them. And in this case, it was the first convention uh, since the 1920s where the nominee did not gain. The Republican Party stayed flat. There was no improvement in Bush's vote because there was nobody had attacked Bill Clinton. They didn't start attacking him until a week or two before the election, and then Clinton began to drop heavily. But uh, there wasn't enough time, and Clinton survived it. That's another story. That's right. And that is what's happening now. Uh, everybody's attacking McConnell. People are wondering, is McCarthy going to stay the course or is he going to flake and become a rhino? Everybody is talking about, will the prosecutor prosecute Trump? What do you think of Trump's tax returns? What do you think of the, his culpability is or vulnerability is in any of these scandals? Uh, what do you think about the spending bill, how outrageous it is? What do you think of the rhino Republicans that flipped and voted with the Democrats and enabled the spending bill, on and on and on and on. But the one word you never hear, ever hear, is Joe Biden. We'll be back afterwards. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I so... This is part two of my briefing of President Trump tomorrow. Uh, I'm actually rehearsing it now with you all. And uh, I'd love Collins to get your reaction to it at 800 Tell me. So the, import, the second point I'm going to make to Trump 
is that the central thing that he has said in this uh, in the last uh, in the last two years is that he believes the 2020 election was stolen. Everybody knows that. If I ask you what did, has Donald Trump said lately, he's always said that the election was stolen, and uh, and and I get that. But now he has to change that rhetoric, not his conclusion, but how he gets to the conclusion. Because people have seen a lot, people have heard a lot of Democratic propaganda about, you know, the election wasn't really stolen, the number of voters who voted was not illegally was not that high, uh, this is all distorted out of proportion. And they're wrong. Trump is absolutely right. The election was stolen and was stolen with phony votes and a packed ballot box. But the public is not buying that. And Biden is using that, the Democrats are using that, to paint Trump as a crazy, stuck-in-the-mud extremist who can only talk about the election of 2020. And that's doing him no good. But on the other hand, there's this glittering opportunity, this amazing opportunity that has dumped into his lap as a result of the Twitter expose, the FBI Twitter stuff, where there is now proof emerging and will emerge further during congressional hearings that the FBI, the, an agency of the federal government, told Twitter and other social media outlets and other mainstream media outlets not to cover the Hunter Biden laptop. Don't talk about it. This is Russian disinformation. Uh, you're irresponsible if you put it on. If you put it on, we might cut you off. Uh, and this is the FBI speaking. This isn't just some administration press secretary. These guys have subpoena power and can lock you up. So the threat not to cover it was enormous. And then when Trump even brought the guy who was uh, Hunter Biden's partner with him to the debate site on October 20th uh, in 2020, uh, and had him on the mic talking about this. They still cut him off. They wouldn't cover him. Uh, mainstream media didn't give him two minutes of publicity. And then when Trump tried to raise it during the debate, the moderators kept cutting him off yeah. and making him look like he was just, you know, some kind of kook injecting stuff that he shouldn't in the debate. And it didn't work. Trump never got that issue across. And the very simple fact of this election is that if we knew then what we know now, Donald Trump would be president. And I know that a lot of the left doesn't cover it. I know that the mainstream media still hasn't covered much of it. I know that lots of people don't know about it. But enough do that if this had come out and if we, if the state of play had been exactly what it is now in November of 2020 on Hunter and the Laptop and Joe Biden and China and Ukraine and Moscow, we would have won the election. So what he needs to do now is to make his crusade to change the result of 2020 into a crusade to allow free speech. He has to make clear that the evidence that, that he was the victim in this situation. You know how in the Bible they, they say in the New Testament that Jesus Christ is, was the victim of all time? Well, in a sense, Trump has become the victim of all time. And he really has to make clear to people that he's the first victim of the suppression of free speech. 
He's the first inmate to enter Auschwitz. He's on the first train of people that take people from their homes and rip them and put them in concentration camps. He's the first guy that got knocked off the uh, that got knocked off the uh, these out of society. He's Kristallnacht, and he's got to make clear that if it can happen to him, it can happen to anybody else. And uh, and it would happen to anybody else. So he needs to make clear that the issue of free speech is the dominant issue of our time, really. The economy is going to go up and down, and that's great, and it's going down, and that's horrible, and it's Biden's fault, and Trump will fix it. But from the point of view of the permanent state of government in the United States, this is the period where the deep state, manned by the police force of the FBI and backed by the prosecutorial authority, budget, and personnel of the Department of Justice, cracks down and ends democracy. Hey Tony, how how are you? Okay, sorry. So, well, let me let me finish this. And and the point is that it violated Trump's free speech, the New York Post's freedom of the press, and if it can happen to them, it can happen to everybody. So Donald Trump needs to be the face of Twitter misconduct, so he can make it his issue. So when we read about what Musk is doing to Twitter, and we read about all the changes that he's bringing about and we read the expose of all of the communications from the FBI to Twitter to, for God's sakes, don't let this laptop out yeah. and, and, and be careful of disinformation and misinformation about, about COVID and about the vaccine. Be careful of any of this. You can't let the people know the truth. And if this becomes a... If, the, if, if Trump becomes the face of this scandal, uh, as he is becoming... I think that's an issue that will endure for him. And it's a twofer. The flip side of it is that it's not only good offense to talk about free speech and the suppression under Biden and the 2020 election and the laptop and Hunter Biden. It's good defense, too, because the opposition is pinning its hopes of defeating Trump on uh, indicting him and prosecuting him. And that's why the January 6th referral and the FBI is hot on the trail and the Justice Department uh, attorneys would give their right arms to be able to prosecute, make a name for themselves. And this is creating a history of persecution of Donald Trump. Add up to what they're doing to this guy. Everybody else in America can have privacy on their tax returns, but not Donald Trump. The Trump Organization has been fa- one of the executives there has been found guilty of cheating on his taxes, and all of a sudden that's the major cause celeb about Trump. Nothing about the corporation, nothing about misdoing, nothing about anything like that. Just as one guy that took deductions he shouldn't have taken. There are probably hundreds of thousands of executives who are guilty of the same thing, but he's the one they choose to prosecute. The Fulton County DA is investigating Trump and Giuliani for trying to get the election returns accurately reported and trying to report any malfeasance in the way the stuff was counted. Uh, It's like killing your mother and father and suing for clemency on the grounds that you're an orphan. They steal the election. They stuff the ballot boxes. They let ineligible voters vote. 
we protest, and then they prosecute us for protesting. In the January 6th committee, in the investigations of Fulton County, uh, and and this and this stuff just never stops. So the more people realize, well, but but it's going to backfire, Doug. The more people realize that the FBI is at war with Donald Trump, the less seriously they're going to take any indictment. The more they're going to shrug their shoulders and say, "Ah, more of same old, same old." Just how they reacted to impeachment, to both impeachments. Everybody, oh, the president's impeached, the first president since Andrew Johnson in 150 years to be impeached. Wow. Clinton? Uh, Clinton was uh, impeached, right. But the, um, yeah. but, the, uh, but the point is that everybody thought this would be devastating, but it wasn't. Because it was just another and another and another and another of what they've been doing all along. If they hadn't done the Russia hoax, if they hadn't done the first impeachment, if they hadn't done the second impeachment, if they haven't done January 6th, if they hadn't done all of this stuff, maybe now we would take an indictment of Donald Trump seriously. But after all of this, this is just Chapter 6 in Ongoing War. And it makes clear that the FBI is really the DBI, the Democratic Bureau of Investigation. It is an arm of the Democratic Party. And that is just becoming apparent as all of this stuff comes down. Will it backfire? Damn right it will. I think so. In the meantime, Trump laid out this magnificent agenda in his speech on December 15th that we've played uh, to you. It's a seven-minute speech where he said that he will investigate who, what employees and contractors of the federal government were guilty of suppression of free speech sold the idea that valid information was disinformation. And not just political speech, covered up the vaccine, covered up the, the side effects, covered up the fact that children really couldn't get sick from COVID and therefore forcing every kid to be vaccinated right. was an insane policy that screwed up the school system of the country, cost these poor kids two years of education they'll never overcome, all to immunize them against a disease they can't catch they did catch would be minor. And <clears throat> make all of this uh, was covered up by the FBI, covered up by the Justice Department. And the more Trump lays this out, the stronger this issue becomes for him. Now, when I come back from the break, we're going to talk about my favorite U.S. Senator, Mitch McConnell. This is the Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority PriorityGoldGuide.com. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Hi, everybody. Back with uh, part three of my briefing with President Trump. Uh, I'm meeting with the president tomorrow. 
and uh, I wanted to preview with you what I'm planning to say to him. Uh, first of all, so I can rehearse it, really. You guys are sort of take five. You have rehearsal. And secondly, uh, I'd love your phone in comment. We can take phone calls now. We couldn't before. It was tough because I'm in Mar-a-Lago doing this, and so it's, it's a little more difficult than when I'm actually in the studio. Is the FBI cutting us off? Yeah, I think maybe they is that actually you remember the line that some guy some leftist I think Phil Oak said, I called myself and they asked to speak to my FBI agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Well first let's any calls that we should be taking. I don't have any yet. Yeah, okay, great. Good. So I know Judith Judith was on. I saw her before. Judith. Hello? Hey Judith, how are you? Hi, Happy New Year to both of you and everybody else. Happy New Year, too. Great. First of all, Dick, as far as everything you said, I agree with everything you said. Go for it, especially the freedom of speech thing. It's great. But now I am prepared to talk to you. I don't know how much time I have, so I want to, I want to, I have some things I want to fill in for you. First of all, my call, if you look on the screen, or maybe you don't have the screen, is about takers and givers, or givers and takers. But before that, I want people to know, Dick, that Letitia James, she's not the IRS. She did a show trial, okay, against this yeah. poor grandfather who took some Trump car, company car, and paid for tuition because yeah. Trump is we, a good heart. And we, we the IRS, that. the IRS, the IRS never prosecuted him. And it's a pattern of harassment. If you follow through, everything they've been doing to Trump is just a, a pattern of just yeah. pure harassment and persecution. And I want to tell you That's something. Fine. This Supreme Court decision revealing Trump's, tracks, uh, uh, t- uh, Trump's uh, tax returns is equally outrageous, okay, and unlawful as far as we're concerned. So yeah. I was thinking to myself, Dick, I was thinking to myself, okay, so let's look at the tax returns, okay? So let's look at the charitable contributions and compare it to three other people, Obama, Biden, and Hillary, all right? Here are the three takers, okay? Hillary, her her charitable Clinton Foundation gives 6.7% charity. That's it. 6.7% charity of her entire charitable uh, foundation that she claps from everyone. She is such a taker. Then you got Obama oh, yeah. and Biden. I want your data. I don't know, Obama. They both basically give like 1000 to 1200 When you look at President Trump, before he was president as a private citizen, he gave millions to charity, and let me tell you something. There's a story, there are a few stories how gracious he is. A friend of mine, her cousins had a sick child, and they needed to fly him out to a different state. They didn't know Trump at all, but they asked if they could use his private plane. He gave it free willingly to them and returned the trip and everything. There are other stories where he met someone, he, gave, he paid his entire mortgage, house mortgage, because the guy saw him stranded on the road with the limo and the— and yeah, yep. those stories are true and great stories. There. Yeah. I'm going to go back to my McConnell point, though, Judith, but I appreciate that input. Thank it's you. It's great right. talking to you, Judith. It's great to raise the Letitia James thing, and you're right about the charitable thing. Hello, Julia. We, we Republicans, ever since 2010, when we were confronted with Obama jamming Obamacare down our throat, have been very effective in developing movements that were conservative. The Tea Party movement was tremendously effective 
It gained 63 seats in the House, a different environment given reapportionment, but still an extraordinary achievement. And the history, the record of it is that all of these initiatives were throttled by the Republican establishment. Uh, the, they come down hard on them. They absolutely banish them from doing anything. And this history of the establishment against the grassroots in the Republican Party is a long, long history. It goes back really to 1964, when Barry Goldwater upended the liberal Nelson Rockefeller establishment of the Republican Party and insisted on a true conservative agenda. And after his crushing his defeat, uh, it seemed that the establishment was back in power. But then Nixon tapped into a lot of the same stuff. And then Reagan came along that was exactly like Goldwater, but better salesmen, better time, better circumstances. And he sold all of it and did a great job. He was great. Uh, but now we have it. And then in 2010, the Tea Party movement resurrected all of that. He was very successful for a couple of years and then got crushed by the Republican establishment. What we are watching now is a reenactment of that battle, but this time it's Trump against McConnell. This time the grassroots movement in the Republican Party is not the Tea Party, it's former President Trump and the MAGA Republicans opposing Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney, uh, Liz Cheney, Susan Collins, and all of the rhinos that infest Washington. And the, they've just done us a grievous harm. Uh, Trump had a great line. He says it's not the omnibus spending bill, it's the ominous spending bill. And, he, uh, and, and the point is that that would not have passed without McConnell, A, voting for it, and B, telling other Republicans it's okay to support it, creating the illusion that he got something in return for that. But in fact, he got nothing. And above all, taking away the only leverage we had, which was the debt limit, by pledging not to battle over the debt limit until two years from now, which meant that we had no leverage at all. They controlled both houses of Congress at that point for another five minutes, and they used that to pass this humongous spending bill, almost $2 trillion. Wow. And the impact of that on inflation is going to be enormous. And then on the subsequent depression, that I think that's going to follow. But most important of all, he rendered completely impotent the incoming Republican House majority. We all just gave money and schlepped to the polls and worked like hell to elect Republican senators. And then McConnell comes along and passes a bill that says that we this is the budget for the next year. The next time you can affect anything. It's 10 months from now, at the end of 20, at the end of, uh, the, of 23, October of 23. Until then, you can't do anything. And it puts us in a position where the election was completely meaningless. It meant nothing. It gives us subpoena power, and we can have committees investigating, which will be very important. But in terms of legislation, we can't pass anything because the Senate's Democrat. And in terms of the budget, we can't do anything because we have no leverage. The budget is signed, sealed, and delivered. The debt limit is raised. And, and we are we're not just disempowered, we're disemboweled by Mitch McConnell. 
And we have to understand along the IRS agents, the 87,000 new ones, are going to be jammed down our throat and on our doorstep and on ordering our returns. And there's nothing we can do about it. McConnell has dismissed the election of 2022. They say Trump uh, litigated 2020. Well, McConnell dismissed, overrode, and ignored horrible and sidetracked permanently the results of the 2022 election. Disgusting, disgraceful. So those are my three issues. That's Those are the three points Trump has to pound. Biden, free speech, and Mitch McConnell. And the nice thing about this from a political point of view is what the hell does that lead DeSantis to talk about? You know, he's not the victim that Trump was of uh, the of, of the free speech issue. Um, he's not the couplet with Obama, with Biden, like Romeo and the Capulets and the Montagues and Romeo and Juliet or Ali versus Fraser or Wellington versus Bonaparte. It's Biden versus Trump. When you say Wellington, I'm thinking of beef. Well, if you can have beef Wellington, Doug, have the Napoleon. I do. I do. <laughs> but I think that, and, and then finally McConnell. Uh, and the census is scared to death of McConnell. Because McConnell can cut off aid to Florida. If they have a hurricane, McConnell can stop the aid from reaching them. And he can stop uh, Medicaid money from flowing to Florida. He can absolutely do everything he can to screw up the state. And DeSantis is the governor, and he's going to get the blame. Totally. So, so I think that, that those, are, those are the issues we need. Now let's go to Tony from Clifton, New Jersey. Hey, Tony. Here. How about Pamela? Um, oh, is that Tony? Yes, this is Tony. Hi, um, hi. I want to just say for President Trump, uh, extend my well wishes. Um, I believe because he is a man who has gone through persecution, uh, I believe he is the best person to represent us for the citizens who love him to keep them free from any political uh, financial oppression and to always put America first because this is where so right, he's going to win. But you know, but you think of what you're saying and the magnitude of it. Here's this guy who's a billionaire, okay? He's one of the richest people in the world. But you make a convincing case, and the reality is that he's a victim. He's the victim. Uh, and to say that he's the victim seems ridiculous with only a quadrillion dollars to console him. But he is the victim, and you see him taking all of this crap and rising above it and uh, and going through it and not being deterred by it. Oh, my God. you got to take your hat off to this guy. Let's go to Pamela in Central. Hey, Pamela. Um, I think one of our biggest problems in the Republican Party is we're all caught up in the weeds. We have to get a psychological strategy of that uh, we have to stop being boxed in by what they do to us. That That's in life anyway. Every time they do something, the Republicans are on the defensive, and the Democrats are real good at what they do. And you also, we have, to, we have to learn to give up certain things. I've done my own polling in my own grocery store, which is in a rich neighborhood, upper middle class. So I meet two out of, two out of three are upper middle class. The others are middle class because there's not too many grocery stores left. 
And over two years, I have noticed something. The upper middle class don't give a darn about inflation because they're skating on it, because they're too wrapped up in their wokeism. And the other set, the welfare people, are getting too many uh, giveaways. So maybe we just have to cut that population loose and focus on the other hardworking Americans out there and just focus on them and stop whining. I think part of our problem is whining. I I was a special ed teacher, and if I sat there whining every time there was an emergency, I wouldn't have gotten anything done. We are our own victims. We have to go from whining to complaining to attacking. Yeah. This is in your book, Thank right, you. Dick? You did yeah. a whole uh, section in your section book. On that that um, was great, Pam. The return. Thank you. Uh, so we'll take more of your calls when we come back. This is the Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Um, so we are on, we have an opportunity now completely to reshape the human race and life on this planet. We have an opportunity for literally a new start that will solve a vast number of our problems. Uh, the holy grail of cold fusion to nuclear power. Um, all of the stuff we're passing now and talking about climate change and pollution and the environment and all of that, just forget about it. And politics based on energy and power, uh, forget about that too. Uh, The important thing now is that with fusion, cold fusion, we have a limitless source of power with no pollution, very little cost, and a and, and, and we can project to every part of the world and no imperialism because once you have the technology, that's all you need. Uh, you don't need pipelines. You don't need barges. You don't need to liquefy the natural gas. You don't need to have uh, oil, have a resource in your country. This is really amazing. You, really can, you can drill all you like and hit rock and you're fine. Uh, this would be just totally revolutionary for the human race. And it was discovered, made possible by the scientists in Livermore Lab in California, in Blessman, uh, but they exist on a relatively minor budget from the federal government. And what we need right now and is a Manhattan Project, just like we did when we got the, developed the atomic bomb. We mobilize all the resources of government and throw them into the development of a massive project to develop cold fusion and bring it to reality. We can literally replace how life on Earth is run with cold fusion. You know, if Trump was here, he would do like he did with COVID, the way he got yeah. all the companies. Warp speed, yeah. Right. That's how he would handle this. Well, I've decided in my meeting with him tomorrow to make this point and to stress this as well. Uh, I think that that this is this is really the issue of our of our time, and uh, it it can transform life on Earth. Um, even extraplanetary travel becomes possible with cold fusion. Uh, everything becomes possible, and uh, if there's one thing that we can do to change 
the world and its direction. It is cold fusion. But it's a massive task. So all you have to do to get cold fusion, it's really simple. You just heat a piece of hydrogen uh, to the temperature of the inside of the sun. That's it? Just, that's, that's all? all? Okay, with the microwave. And then you take it out and you put it at the coldness of deep outer space. And when you do those two, you can have nuclear fusion. Oh, that's cake. You know, it reminds me during World War II, <laughs> Will Rogers, the comedian, said, I don't know what all this fuss is about submarine warfare. Just boil the ocean. <laughs> oh, Will Rogers. Yes. Comedian. Won't be any more German submarines. <laughs> boil the ocean. Yeah, that was a small thing. So the but but these details are terribly difficult, mm-hmm. very important, and require major capital investments that the private sector can do and must do, but it needs government to help it, to orchestrate it, to give it tax advantages, to do everything it can to funnel and mobilize the energies of this country toward developing and maximizing cold fusion. Just just think of our problems in the world. Think of our domestic problems, the cost of gas, the cost of travel, the cost of home heating, uh, the cost of, uh, of of anything we do in our lives that involves energy. Begging, but, begging the Saudis for well, well, that's separate, but I'm just huh. talking domestically. Forget about that. They're all solved. They're all gone. Worried about the utility bill. Worried about the cost of gas. Worried about the cost of heating. Forget about it. <laughs> and then in terms of, of, of our energy supplies, uh, don't worry about whether we drill enough or whether we have enough windmills or enough uh, solar panels or enough uh, of any of that. Or the ecosystem. Yeah, just just forget about it. We have cold fusion. And if you have, if you have on climate change and that's your fetish, because uh, really it is, uh, disregard it. We're not going to make squat into the atmosphere. Mm. Uh, nothing, the byproduct of cold fusion is water. You can drink a glass of it. Uh, so, and then think of this in terms of foreign policy. The following countries have their entire imperialism, their entire anti-American power rooted in energy. The Arabs, the terrorists, the Palestinians, the Russians, mm. the Iranians, all based on their resource, their, their natural resource strength. Eliminate that, and they're just gone. I mean, there will be no more war because there'll be no more ability to make war. This is no win. There would be no win for them. This is is just the most incredible revolutionary thing, and there is no scientific reason why we can't do it. We're now stuck with the mechanics of mass production, and uh, in World War II, FDR said in 1941 right after the war was declared, we were producing about 2,000 airplanes a year. And he said, we're going to produce 100,000 airplanes before the end of this war. And everybody thought he was nuts. In fact, they produced 125,000. Mm. Did off the tanks, did off everything. And then we had the trip to the moon. Where everybody said, when Kennedy promised to land a man on the moon and bring him back safely, this was pie in the sky, electioneering. And he did exactly that. It worked. And we said by the end of the decade, and we did. And then you had the, the then you had everybody saying 
that, yeah, we could win a nuclear war or we could wage it, but we are our army is so weak, uh, our ability to mobilize manpower is so limited that we really could never fight and win the conventional war in Europe. And the military set their mind to it. Our marvelous contractors worked at it. And now we have weapons that are just driving the Russians off the map. Um, we always assumed that if Russia invaded Germany, uh, we'd have to retreat, retreat, retreat till we got to the English Channel, and then we could go nuclear and blow up the world. And that was a hell of an alternative, but we had to live with it. We called it mutually assured destruction. Wow. Now, because of the incredible power of American industry and inventiveness, inventiveness and entrepreneurialism, uh, we have succeeded in developing weapons and systems capable of defeating the Russian army, the Red Army, all millions and millions of them. And uh, we're demonstrate, they're demonstrating that every day with the brave people of Ukraine. So when this country sets its mind to doing something, it freaking happens. And obviously, the atomic bomb is the major element of that, where every agency of the government was mobilized to develop the atomic bomb. I was reading a biography of Harry Truman. He was the chairman of the committee in charge of investigating war expenditures to crack down on waste. He didn't know about the bomb, and nobody else did except a handful of people. And he came upon these projects for millions and billions of dollars, vast shares of the budget, with big X's through them. And he went to General Marshall and Secretary of War Simpson and said, what's this all about? And they said, we cannot tell you, and we don't want you probe to find out. <laughs> and the president called him and said that, and he backed right off. And uh, the project proceeded in secret and resulted in the game changer of the atomic bomb. Talk about something that completely changes the world. That was it. So we have the opportunity to change the world right now. We can harness the same power that the sun has to go on forever, simply infusing the hydrogen atoms that we have, making them into helium with very few byproducts, and that change releases energy. Let me just explain the concept of atomic glue. What holds the atom together is a a fictional substance called atomic glue. Uh, it, it can't be weighed, it can't be quantified, but it's there. And it translates into energy at mc squared, the speed of light squared. When you break apart the atom, fission, or you bring the atoms together, fusion, you release atomic glue. And that matter becomes energy at the speed of light squared. So a little bit of it is enough to power the whole world for a decade. Wow. And um, we, and, and but the problem was that A, it could become a weapon, B, it generated radioactive byproducts, C, it was expensive as hell to build because you had to control it so it didn't blow up the city, and, uh, and all of those problems. But now we have a solution, nuclear fusion, and we should use it. And this should be the, the fundamental narrative of our time. It's just an unbelievable thing. So we talked today about my briefing coming up tomorrow with President Trump, and I thank you all for being a good studio audience that can help me help me practice it. Uh, I'm going to start by talking about the need to run against Biden and warn him that 
they're using the Hillary lightning rod strategy that I used in 92 and 96 uh, to distract and defeat uh, Donald Trump. And he can't let that happen. He has to zero in on Joe Biden mm. and show that every single problem we have is directly centric of Joe Biden. The second thing is to morph his complaints about the 2020 election into the generic issue of FBI interference and free speech so that he, Donald Trump, this billionaire, becomes the victim of all time and gives standing to talk about it. And finally, we need to go after the rhino of all time, Mitch McConnell, who has single-handedly disempowered the United States Senate and keeps throwing out the results of the 22 election. So thanks for sticking around, guys. Next time I'll do this in the studio and it'll go a little smoother. Thank you, Dick Morris. It's an honor. This is the Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.